Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop stream, your one stop for co-op news and playthroughs. And that was Mike dancing in the corner. What's up, Mike? (laughs) Hey, everybody. I'm still a little bit tired from convention fun, but we're ready to talk about some PAX Unplugged. And in the other corner, it is Jerry. What's up, Jerry? Hey, everybody. And yeah, I'm a little tired, too, and I have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. But hey, why not do a podcast? Yeah. Why not? That's what I say every night. <laughs> well, and when we... Peter's not around, I just record myself <laughs> sadness style. I record myself sadness style. Sadness style. Sadness style, baby. whoop em, sadness style. Oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> I don't have a dance. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I order my In-N-Out burger. Sadness style. <laughs> it's the meatless version. All right. This is off the rails already, which is awesome. That's the way we like it here at the One Stop Co-op Shop. Who needs rails? Uh, and speaking of rails, let's talk about our Patreon. <laughs> what was that? I have no was idea. That transition? No, it wasn't. Right. It was great. Yeah. B- by the way, <laughs> we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash one stop. And uh, we have exclusive uh, early access to our videos, exclusive videos you can't see anywhere else, mostly with me whining about something. This month, December, you'll get a double dose of uh, Mike Anger as I go over the worst games I played this year. Not really anger, more disappointment generally. Uh, But yeah, there's like, I don't know, 40 videos up there almost that are only able to be seen by our patrons. But beyond that, you help us uh, support the channel. You help us to upgrade our filming equipment, pay for our podcast fees, pay for our other fees. We very much appreciate you. And this week, we'd like to especially thank Boris Macias Jobum, Len Lindsay, Brandon Hum, Alistair, and Lucas Hedgren. I'm sure I got all of those 100% correct. It sounded like it. It sounded like you were... Boris, Len, Brandon, Alistair, and Lucas, thank you. And thanks to all our patrons. And even if uh, your financial situation doesn't allow you to support us uh, through Patreon, don't forget you can always uh, join our Discord and just come say hi. You can uh, leave a review for this very podcast. You can subscribe to our streaming channel or our main channel. Everything helps, and we love to uh, just engage with our community any way we can. So uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah, make sure you become a patriot or a patron. <laughs> a patron, Patri- a patriot and a patriot. <laughs> a patriot. A patron. Uh, watch Mike go uh, full dad. He's not just angry in this video. He's disappointed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, you should have seen what I say Mike- to my children every day. I was like, you didn't eat that last green bean. I'm not just angry. I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> you should have seen Mike going full dad before we started recording. Jerry and I were watching one of his sons sneak up right behind him and scare the bejesus out of him. <laughs> this picture like little child right here. Yes. <laughs> Creeping like and, a ghost. <laughs> and we get to see it coming and Mike doesn't. <laughs> yes. And, and no one said a darn thing because nope. it was way funnier though. <laughs> and, and, and the great part is now if like some murderer comes to, to axe me to death. You know, you all just be watching, be like, "Huh, I, I bet Mike's gonna hear him this time." Uh, uh, That's hilarious! Oh, <laughs> oh Mike, look out! <laughs> oh, you're car- carroted. That feels like that being like a scream movie or something, where it's like people are watching, they're like, "No, behind you!" But it's like lagged, and you didn't realize that he's like dead already. Well, not scream. Either. They they did that kind of stuff in both the unfriended movies, which are pretty good if you're into that kind of thing. 
I've I never even heard of that. Never have heard no. of that that's either. Why, that's why I watch more horror movies than you guys do. But uh, yeah, the, the whole concept is that they're on like a Zoom slash like Skype call as each of them is dying. And like the entire movie is just the screen, you know? I'm sure it's no screamers. Oh, scre- screamers. <laughs> it's, it's like the giant. Isn't that giant worms that were like no, kind of like sandworms? Oh, all right. Never mind. That's isn't that uh tremors? Tremors. No, you're right. He's but, thinking tremors. I, screamers is Peter Roller. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, but Pax Unplugged! <laughs> Pax Unplugged! I mean, you don't know what Pax Unplugged did? It's is the uh, series of conventions that I guess were originally kind of organized by the Penny Arcade people. Isn't that right? Yep. yep. But yeah, at this point, they have a whole bunch of them. I think they're all organized by Reed Pop, who's also taking over E3 for this next year after it's been kind of on hiatus, if you like video games. Sorry, I'm getting off topic again. But yeah, PAX Unplugged is the uh, unplugged version of PAX, which is board game and role-playing game focused. And I don't know, what, what's the format, Peter? We're just going to kind of talk about our experiences and some of the games we saw and or played? Yeah. I mean, we usually start with like the beginning, like our first day when we arrive, things like that. And then we'll talk about the games we played, just so you all get an idea of what games were there. Maybe our highlights from the con what games we're looking forward to coming out, maybe some, you know, just what whatever comes to our mind. You know how organized we are with our show notes. Mm. So <laughs> I, I do have a list pulled up right now of all the games I played and saw, so I'm vaguely ready. I, I took pictures. So there was that. I, I took pictures too. And now I'm not using them for anything. I, I did use them to make the <laughs> list that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh-huh. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, pre-con. We decided to not go up Thursday night this year. We went up on Friday morning, and guess what? We still had plenty of time. The lines weren't that bad. Yeah. I mean, there was a there was kind of a giant line on the outside to get in, but like it moved fairly quickly. And then there was like plenty of places to get your bands, and then right to will call and. Yeah, there, there was not much of a slowdown getting in the convention. I was worried because we got there around 10 that we wouldn't get in until like noon. But no, we we're, you know, it's probably a half hour or less, even with all the lines and stuff to get in. Yeah, I, was, guess, I, mean, I guess if we were trying to like get the few copies of Frosthaven they had for sale or something, maybe we would have needed to be like right at the front of the line. But yeah, as it was, we were totally fine. Sorry, right, how Jerry, many I copies did they have? Uh, somebody in our Discord said they got one. <laughs> so, oh, at really? least one. At least one is what I'm I, aware of. I heard afterwards they, were, they had some copies for like 250 bucks or something like that Ooh. there. But uh, that was probably people I, I got, trying to I got mine. <laughs> I got mine the week before, I think. Uh, yeah, but so, I mean, the, it's been a, I mean, it's so many copies. It makes sense that it's been a rollout. So people are still waiting on our Discord and on YouTube for it. But I'm glad it's getting out there. We haven't played it yet. But at some point, we'll have time for just one more campaign game. There's so few. That, that, you know, there, there we go. That, that, that's my tagline. That's my most positive thing about PAX Unplugged this year. I don't think I saw any super compelling new upcoming <laughs> campaign dungeon crawl boss battler games. So way to, we way to sell it, Mike. Well. We just yep. lost our like everybody just went off. <laughs> wait, 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 wait to put that out up front. You're supposed to spoil things or like tease things, not like give them away for free. Haven't you learned well, anything? I, I mean, that that's... Never mind, I'm not going to make that yeah, joke. You, Let's go! Let's move you, on! <laughs> you weren't looking very hard, Mike. Oh. <laughs> uh, you saw it again? You saw it? I almost yeah. got killed by my own wife. It was, it was, it was frightening. <laughs> I saw my life flash before my eyes. I saw my wife and my life I was about to say, you watched your wife flash before <laughs> your eyes? Nice. And now we've entered the dad joke portion of the podcast. Hey, nothing wrong with dad jokes. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, and... So let's compare so I guess, that to, so, to Gen Con. 
So I know, Mike, you weren't there, but Jerry and I were. <laughs> I was about to say, this yeah, is the portion I... of the podcast where I shut up and didn't say anything. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, How just... did I compare for you, Mike? Tell us uh, more. Just I, the I, I, I spent much less time at PAX sitting on my couch uh, playing video games and watching TV with my kids. I will say the entry process is a, was a lot more organized and quick at PAX. I mean, yes. now you're talking about a lower number of people, probably by 10, 15,000, I would guess, mm. or, or potentially oh, more. more. But, yeah, yeah, way more. Uh, Gen Con was a mess uh, getting in, getting checked in, and getting the uh, vaccine wristband. But yeah. uh, I mean, PAX was, was actually very smooth for that. Yeah, we were there a, is- a whole day early for Gen Con. It took us probably two hours just to get our vaccine card. Then we had to go wait in another line to get our badge. And to be fair, there was two lines, one for the badges. Well, first you went through a metal detector at PAX, and then right to the vaccine lines, and there were like 16 people. Uh, No, it was 20, I think it was, 10 on each side. And they put up a little green flag. You'd go over to them, show them your vaccine card, your ID, get your band, and then you could go right to the line on the left, but like there was nobody in those lines, like will call or anything else. So they either did a great job of sending the badges out early or just getting people through those lines super fast. Yeah, I was impressed that it was faster at PAX, even with the metal detectors, because Gen Con doesn't have metal detectors. You just wander wherever you want to wander, but their lines are always atrocious, especially the Wednesday before. Yeah. And Dr. Han says, this is the one in Philly, right? Yes, it is. And can we compare it to other cons to see which is better or worse? We will definitely do that at the oh, yes. end. That That's how you tease, Mike. That's how you tease. Everybody, <laughs> want to hear my number one game of the convention? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so after we got in, we kind of wandered the hall at first, but Mike and I got a game in pretty quickly right as we sat down, and this is one you had played before, but I had not played, and that is Fate Forge. So, Mike, while I'm pulling up pictures, do you yeah, want and to... Yeah, and P- Peter wouldn't let me forget this. He's like, Mike, why do you get all these games, and I never see them? And I was like, that's because I get like <laughs> 10 of these games a week sometimes, and I don't have time to make sure you play them all. But yeah, this is one that I covered uh, that successfully crowdfunded earlier this year. And uh, it's from the people who made uh, Mighty Boards, who made Vengeance, as well as Vengeance Roll and Fight. And it uses a very similar combat system to both of those, where you're like kind of rolling a dice pool, and then the results will let you move around and defeat generally very easily defeated like little minions. But this one is in a new fantasy setting with a bunch of narrative and a campaign where your character is growing. Whereas both the uh, Vengeance games are like one-offs or like you can chain together some games and stuff. And yeah, uh, I enjoyed this when it was on crowdfunding. But Peter, this was all new to you. I was kind of helping to teach the game to you. Uh, what, what did you think of it? No, I thought it was really good. So you get a certain pool of dice at the beginning and uh, of different colors, which have different um, like combinations of things. Yeah. Maybe there's like a sword on it, which is like melee damage. A boot on it means you move one tile um, or an arrow on it, which means you can attack somebody adjacent. And that's really it. They do, I mean, they do have some special symbols as well that'll help trigger like different skills and abilities that you have. Like you might need like a special symbol and a boot symbol to charge. I remember that was one of your abilities, um, or, or whatever. Um, and then you have this line of enemies. And I think the interesting part about the way the enemies activate is like you do all your activations and then the enemies do their activations, except there's one enemy card that gets inserted somewhere in your line of how you attack that activates like one or two enemies. And it does use an app. Mike, is that the only way 
that 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 part can be done. Yeah, my understanding is the app is required. I mean, well, first of all, you didn't see this part, Peter, but there is a ton of narrative. Now, what's cool in what Peter and I played that they did not have back when I previewed it is they had what we played was like a uh, one off combat mode, which I think is great because the narrative is actually kind of involved in the game. And uh, that was one of the things that I wasn't 100 percent sure about when I previewed it. Like you would sometimes just sit like and read for 15 minutes before you get to like the next fight. And the fights are like <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes long themselves. Yes. So it's a it's, yeah, it seemed very odd, but the instant combat mode seems perfect. So I was really glad they had that. But yeah, the, the app handles all the narrative stuff. It handles like the campaign stuff. Sometimes it'll direct you to a card like for an adventure and such. But the, the nice thing is you use the app almost not at all during the actual combat, except for that literally the one thing Peter just mentioned, like that little reaction. But my understanding is it is only handled through the app. I don't think they're giving any like physical alternative for it or whatever. I mean, I, I really enjoyed. I, I have a question. Oh yeah, go for uh, it. So, Mike, you said you weren't, you didn't see any narrative campaign games, and then the first game you're talking about is a narrative campaign game. I said new to me. Oh, I played okay. this like right. a while right. ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, most of these games will be new to most people, just not Mike, who has played yes. a lot of previews of all of these things. That's not true. I got tons of new games to talk about on here, or at least new to me. Some of them came out in like 2020, but I never played them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did really enjoy this one. It was fast and simple enough to do your turns. I mean, you literally had four dice and you had symbols on them. I do wish there was more mitigation. I wish we had more skills because we basically had one skill. Now, it was yeah. the first demo of the con for them, so he didn't even know how to set it up. You know, he's like, you know, he basically had to adapt the mission. Which is weird, right? Because if it's supposed to be a one-off, you'd think they'd have, like... It was it was weird in several ways, because, yeah, he was like, oh, well, we don't have player scaling for this. And I was like, when I played my game, they had player scaling for every mission that I did. So, I, I don't know, like, maybe they had just recently added, like, that arena mode, and that was why. But, yeah, yeah we, we, when we left, I, I gave him the, the strong recommendation. I was like, I played this game a ton <laughs> for the prototype. I would recommend you give everybody at least two or three skills, because the game really comes to life once you have a bunch of that, when you have, like... Uh, it's a bunch of like change this symbol to that symbol, change the symbol to that symbol gives you, like Peter said, more mitigation. So your turns are more dynamic when you're playing like the tutorial with only a single skill. You can have turns where you barely do anything. And that's not <laughs> that's not how you wow people with your game. And it is right. a good game. Like, I like this game a lot, but uh, you like you really got to get past the couple of tutorials that teach you the game. And he was he was demoing a tutorial, basically, when really you want to demo something that's sort of like early mid campaign to show what the system has capable i think because it's not a, it's not a complicated game it's not like you're trying to teach no Gloomhaven with like <laughs> the toughest classes you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's you can throw into some skills and nobody's head is going to explode <laughs> you know yes so yeah i really enjoyed that i mean this is right up my alley you all know i like campaign games with like i could tell i was going to like the leveling even though i didn't see much just getting a couple more of those skills seem cool to me and the fact that the missions themselves are like you know four or five rounds and each round you're literally activating four dice and that's it so it's meant to be super quick super straightforward i enjoyed what i was doing now would i enjoy it for like 10 hours i don't know but you don't play it for 10 hours you play it for like 20 minutes so it was great for that yeah it's a nice thing uh when i was playing you can go through like some story elements of fate forge um what's the full name do you have it up there peter fate Fate forge Forge chronicles Chronicles of of khan Yeah, you can go through like a little bit of the narrative, like maybe do two fights in like an hour. So it's really a nice, quick kind of pacing for the game. Which you don't see very often in these campaign games, right? Like everything is like an hour to an hour and a half a mission. And then like, 
20 minutes of narrative and, and town building or whatever else. So I don't know. I'm, yeah, like I'm it was sworn if you're trying to do the entire narrative thing, like the full one, not the summary, and an entire fight, you're looking at like probably two and a half, three hours, I would yeah. say. Yeah, that's your night. And then Jerry falls asleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how Peter taught Jerry Oathsward. He's like, hey, let's play this at, uh, you know, 11 o'clock at night or something. Yeah, I think it was later than that. So oh, it geez. wasn't Oathsward's fault. I, I do not wired. think it was later than that, by the way, but it might have been. I don't think uh, I, I, think I don't think when we started it was. But anyway. All right. So, Jerry, while we were playing Fate Forge, you disappeared. What were I you did. up to? I went to go uh, check out the Gloomhaven announcement. So they had advertised that Gloomhaven was doing a, an announcement, a big announcement at the uh, main theater. So uh, we got inv- invited to that. So I went to go see what this announcement was all about. So they went over the fact that they're doing the minis for Gloomhaven as a Kickstarter, I believe, in April. And they announced that along with that, they're going to be launching a Gloomhaven RPG, which, you know, I was interested enough to to listen in. And uh, the idea behind the Gloomhaven RPG is that it's a diceless RPG system. Uh, now, there have been diceless RPG <coughs> systems in the past, but this one is doing it a little bit differently. Uh, a lot of the diceless ones in the past have been more narrative-based. Uh, this one is, it still has the, the combat, but it's all based on um, card flips, just like the Gloomhaven board game. So you you still have the modifier deck. You still have cards that you play for your character that have a top and a bottom, and they actually add a third section on the card that's used for skill tests. It seemed uh, kind of interesting. So uh, it's supposed to launch alongside the minis Kickstarter in April. We'll see when that comes out, a little bit more detail. They did do a live play. And I watched probably the first 15, 20 minutes of that. Uh, the only issue with that is that they brought on, I guess, semi-pro RPGers to participate in the uh, in the live play. So they really leaned into the role-playing part uh, of things and not as much into the mechanics. And I kind of wanted to see what the mechanics of the game were like at that point. Uh, I'm not somebody who watches a lot of the live play RPGs like Critical Role or things like that, but... They were spending an awful lot of time on the role play and, that, and they were having a good time with it, I, but it wasn't really getting into the, the mechanics as much as I would have liked. So is this designed by Isaac? Do you know? I don't know specifically who designed it. it it's coming out from Cephalofair. So right. Cephalofair, they didn't license this out to somebody else to produce an RPG. So both the minis and uh, the RPG are coming from Cephalofair. And Isaac was one of the players in the live play. Okay. And the guy who did, uh, helped design Jaws of the Lion was the the Gloom Master, I think they call him, instead of Game Master. It's the, the Gloom, Gloom Master. Master. Oh, gosh. Get That's... it, Gloomhaven? Oh, oh. Gloom Master? I get it. Get it? <laughs> I wish I didn't, but I get it. So, I mean, that, that was interesting. And the session itself in the main theater was actually packed for, for Gloomhaven. Uh, both the, the two sessions before it, one of it, which was an interview with... Uh, Penny Arcade creators, I think. Not many people in those, but the Gloomhaven one was a decently full house. It was probably like 80% full. So that's pretty good for one of the first events on Friday when a lot of people were still working. Yeah. So Henry says Gazoon type, by the way, Mike. Yes. Yeah, I was having some uh, nasal issues there. Sorry, trying not to laugh. <laughs> nasal issues. Nasal issues. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna slide right past that one. So uh, so that was the Gloomhaven <laughs> RPG announcement. So while you were doing that, Mike and I went to 
Rock what? Manor games. Rock Manor. I couldn't think of it. So they had a private event in the Marriott across the hall, hall across the like street. And they were talking about three games and some expansions they had for them. The three games they talked about were Set a Watch, Maximum Apocalypse, and Seas of Havoc. Yeah, and to be specific, uh, the upcoming, this one is going to be on crowdfunding uh, early next year, like quarter one, Set a Watch Forsaken Isles. That'll be the third standalone set. And then Maximum Apocalypse is the, this one already crowdfunded and is delivering, I think, maybe next month, uh, Wasted Wild, which is the latest standalone set for Maximum Apocalypse. So what was the set of watch one called again? Forsaken Isles. It's it's like, if you're looking on BGG, it's like oh, near the bottom. It's it. kind of weird. Like, they don't have a date, even though it's yeah, kickstarted. That, yeah, that's the weird one. Like, that's the only one that didn't have a date. All right, so I got a picture of that. There's not a lot of artwork out there. There's not. I'm looking at it, too. <laughs> yeah, we were there with uh, friends of the show, Jeremy Howard and some of his uh, co-workers uh, from Man vs. People and other stuff. We also saw Liz Davidson, Jason Perez from One Stop Co-op Shop, lots well, of other great people. They weren't well, at the set of watch thing. Jeremy. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, I, I just sort of went into random name drops. But yeah, yeah Jeremy like, Howard was you, actually there. <laughs> Yes. So the interesting part for me, who was not a huge fan of the original set of watch, is that um, they have updated some stuff. So apparently in the second one, they added coins, which were just like bonuses you could get to buy gear, to do additional things. So, I mean, my big problem with the original one was variety uh, was an issue for me because you could just kind of easily get the skills you wanted set up in the order you wanted and like just go from there and there wasn't a lot of variety. So I think right away, just adding items is a big addition to that. So um, I'm excited to try set a watch with those new items. And then the other one, um, I know they had a campaign they were talking about where if you had all the set of watch stuff, you could play through yeah. this campaign where you were like leveling up, I think between the missions or do you remember more details about that? No, well, actually the funny thing is I gravitated the other way. Um, the thing that excited me the most, since as Peter said, uh, Swords of the Coin Coast, I think it was called, the second set, already had the coin and item mechanic. They said for the third one, in addition to having the campaign, they're going to have a quicker play mode. Right now it's like eight rounds plus the final rounds. And we, we played uh, the original set of watch at the, yeah, Cherry's clapping right now because <laughs> I guess he agrees with me. I, I feel like that game, besides uh, the potential for the variety issue that uh, Peter said, I think also it can drag a little bit sometimes especially if you're playing a full four-player game where you are out of the combat for many of the, or I guess at least two of the combat. 25%. Yeah, 25%, exactly. Uh, So the idea that, like, maybe they'll have, uh, they didn't say the exact details, but, like, you know, a four-round fight and maybe take out the camping mechanic or something along those lines. I don't know how they'll do it exactly. But that excites me the most, the idea of being able to play it as a little bit of, like, you know, a 45-minute to an hour game instead of, like, maybe the hour and a half, I would say it is usually right now. Now, remind yeah. me, was this one backward compatible? Like, were they introducing yes. cards that you could play in earlier missions to do that? I'm trying to Yeah, remember. I mean, from my understanding is all the locations, all the four new heroes, uh, there's like a golem and a witch, I think, and stuff, or like a pyromancer. The items are like backward compatible with coin, the Sword Coast or Coin Coast one. So yeah, as far as I know, like everything, they did the same thing for Maximum Apocalypse. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But I think everything kind of uh, splices together if you want it to. A, a big thing for Rock Manor for like their flagship games is sort of the modular nature of them. So that's kind of, I think, key to them. All right. Well, let's talk about the one that will be least interesting to our audience. But we should still talk a minute about Seas of Havoc. Yeah. Uh, was there a solo mode? I can't even remember. 
There is a solo mode. J- Jeremy sort of indicated, you know, that maybe it wasn't the star of the show. I have not actually played it, and I don't think he played the final version, so who knows. I like uh, Maximum Apocalypse pretty well, and I want to play, like, the newer content because I think it's gotten a lot better, I've heard. And I like Set a Watch, but I- I've had mix- more mixed experiences with Rock Manor's competitive games when they add a solo mode, like... Uh, the few in Cursed, I had a pretty bad experience with how they did solo co-op in that one. So I don't, I don't know if Seas of Hazvik is going to feel like potentially a little tacked on like that, but the competitive play looked kind of cool. Yeah, so you're all these different pirate ships, you're going around and basically you're drafting cards that give you actions like move forward two or shoot out the right side, shoot out the left side. And like it's like, oh, shoot three spaces away, but you only shoot at power one or shoot two spaces away at power two. Yeah, it was kind of like sort of a deck building thing, which looked cool to me. Like probably the most interesting part for me was that deck building combined with, you know, tactical ship movement around a board to get broadsides on each other. The, they also had like worker placement on the little islands that Peter's showing the board right now on the side, you know, that part I'm not as clear on how interesting it would be, but I like the idea of blasting each other. Yeah. So you got me excited with that when you started talking about, Oh, there's pirate ships. And then, card drafting and almost i was just progressively well, getting it, more and more not, disappointed it's not card it's, it's, <laughs> it's really more like deck building because they go into a deck that you're shuffling and then you're like playing cards that give you some movement and like other bonuses and stuff so i i think it's pretty interesting yeah in theory i didn't play it in, in theory yeah uh, i mean it's a pretty small looking board it was kind of I, I didn't get a good feel for it but it, it didn't seem like something i mean my son's super into pirates so i was like very much interested in listening and mm. It, it didn't wow me. That doesn't mean it's not a good game. It doesn't mean anything. I don't know anything about the game at all. I, I do remember they said you could use, like, different captains with different ships. So there's yeah, yeah. lots of variety, different combinations of stuff you can use. But for me, it was the kind of game that I need to have played to figure it out, and we didn't see any gameplay stuff for it. So um, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm vaguely interested, and that's another one I think that is delivering, like, quarter one-ish. But let's get let's get to the other one that we're actually you know co op solo focused. <laughs> uh, so Doctor Han says, "I hear oh, they're yeah. making an updated version of Maximum um, to coincide with the rules for the new one." So we can. That's talk what we're going to talk about. What a segue! Yep. So what was the yeah. name of that one? Uh, so that- Wasted Wilds is the one that's delivering soon. Maximum Apocalypse Wasted Wilds. And if you don't know Maximum Apocalypse, while Peter's uh, pulling it up, uh, we, we did some coverage of just the base game, and I think there might have been some plays on the streaming channel as well. This is a very, like, modular deck system type of game, like in, uh, a la Sentinels of the Multiverse or uh, the Sadler Brother games, in that you uh, select an apocalypse. There have been, I think, three in each of the main sets, including the original. You each get a unique character with unique deck of cards that gives them, like, equipment they can uh, gain and special actions they can perform. And it's scenario based where you're trying to like get fuel or get food or defeat certain enemies or those kind of things. But uh, the original that I covered, I was a bit mixed on, but literally everything I've heard from every expansion since then, each time there's been a new expansion, they've been like, hey, we made this and this better. And all the things that are my complaints about the game were things they made better. Like, for example, for Wasted Wilds, they showed us how uh, one of the big things that kind of concerned me with the original was that like you'd have locations you were looking for in this deck of cards that were kind of like face down and laid out on the board. And sometimes like the places you needed to go were right next to you. And sometimes they weren't. And you'd have this great, uh, huge diversity in how like long the play experience was. And now in Wasted Wilds, they have uh, many scenarios are more controlled in that you have to put like it. It's not about the location card itself, but about a token on top of the location card 
And yep. you have to put those like three away from you and then three away from that one. So they have uh, more like granular control over how long it takes to get to your places. So yeah, I don't know about you, Peter, but after, you know, not loving the original Maximum Apocalypse, I really want to play this one with like the new rules, the new content, the new updates. It looks like clearly, and, and even uh, the designer was talking about it, uh, the owner of the company, I think too. He was saying like they've updated things and like, uh, like this the viewer the was one. saying- that they backward compatible, I think. They made new yeah. stuff for the first and second one to yes. replace how the first and second one were played. I think. Yeah, literally, said, like, I think this release, Wasted Wilds, and they said, like, the new printings of the old releases are going to have, like, a book that has updated scenarios for, like, every release. So that yes. if you bought other stuff, all you have to buy is the stuff you don't have yet, and you will get all the scenarios for everything that are updated and rebalanced and stuff. So, yeah, again, like, I didn't love the first time I played the game, but I think it's cool that they're connecting to it, making it better, improving it. And then probably the most important thing, making it not too expensive or challenging if you want to kind of update your version. Well, so here's the thing for me is we we talk about this with game design a lot of times. When you're designing a game and something is so glaring and stands out that like, you know, if the difficulty is off in a co-op game, for example... You can't tell whether you like the mechanics or not a lot of times mm. because all you're focused on is that difficulty level. You're like, this is way too easy or this is way too boring. It's hard to see past it. So Maximum Apocalypse, I know the big thing for us at the beginning was that variable game length. And like literally the first tile you go to could be the one you're looking for, or you could explore every tile in the game and have one left. And that could be the one you're looking for, right? And obviously not only difficulty, but game length are going to vary greatly because of that. I mean, if they mm. fix that one problem, I don't remember being annoyed with any of the other mechanics of the game. I remember that being such a glaring, obvious flaw for us with the game that, you know, it was hard to see past that one flaw to yeah. the rest of the game. So I am excited to retry it because I was super excited. They're like, oh, yeah, you just put an A token on top of this and then you put another one over here and like you got to go from this place to this place. It's like, oh, that's great. Now, each time you play those locations will be different and there'll be different powers at the locations and everything else. And all that's cool to me. So uh, I'm excited to retry it as well with all this new stuff. The other big thing they're doing here is they have two different environments. One is like a frozen environment and the other one is like a, a post-apocalyptic, uh, like Mad Maxi, you know, desert type environment. You I, know. Th I think it's three again. They've, they've done three each time. I'm pretty sure. Only I think if you look at the cover, two. I think they've got. Or, oh, oh wait, never mind. Environments. I think they have three apocalypses. Because yeah, if you look in the middle, there's like the one that was like tribe focused. There's like the ice one. There's like the heat, like global warming one. Yeah, I, don't know. I remember him saying either, either way. Yeah, two different tile sets. I think maybe other okay, ones okay. only had one tile set, but a lot of different like apocalypses or whatever that led there. Yeah. This is actually going to have two sets of terrain tiles. You use either the ice one or the desert one. I think is. If, if I remember correctly. Yeah, my feelings on the original were pretty much the same as your, you guys. Uh, it was a little half-baked. Uh, needed a little bit more time in development, I guess. Mm. Especially if they solved it as easily as just putting tokens, a set number of spaces out. So that well, and, and it's like that. lots of stuff beyond that. Because there was a problem with like hyper-searching the same location when you needed stuff and nothing to prevent that. But then, like one of the expansions added uh, these like tokens that would exhaust locations and like had rules you had to move before you could scavenge again. So yes, I, you know, is is half baked too harsh or not? I don't know. But either way, it sounds like if you're buying into Maximum Apocalypse now, 
you know, the 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 beta testing is done <laughs> and you can get the best like version of the game possible. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I can guess is that maybe the you know the designers or developers play tested it so much they didn't really notice the disparity in time. Well, uh, I think also having talked to the guy a little bit, I think it, it, people just have different preferences. Some people really like like the idea of like this is a sandbox and you can do with it what you want and you're gonna have a very different story each time you play. Other people, you know, I, I would say this generally applies to us. Maybe want like a bit more control and a bit more consistency. So it kind of goes to your taste a bit. So Doctor, I did like the core. I remember liking the core mechanics. Yeah, and like the unique characters are great. Like I, I love the feeling of playing like the doctor versus like the you know the cowboy sniper guy or yeah. yeah exactly exactly. So it looks like this is one we're gonna have to get back to the table and maybe even re-review because it it feels like maybe there's gonna be so much of a change that it will alter our opinion of the game. Uh, at least hopefully. Yeah, this is one that I'm interested in enough that if they don't send us a copy, I'll probably just go ahead and buy it. Yeah, so Dr. Han said, hmm, so am I going to get the update for this when it comes? I do believe they said it's coming all in this box, the Wasted Wildlands. You'll just get a campaign book for the first one and the second yes. one as well. So that I was do, my understanding. Yeah, so my understanding too is that it will come in the box. But is the next game the only one we played together all weekend? Or did you have something else before the, the game well, I'm about to talk about next, Jerry? Are you talking about Wiz, well, WizKids? Well, hold yep. on. Before we go there, I have to okay. make a correction. The Gloomhaven RPG and minis. I kept saying Kickstarter. That was just habit. It's actually backer kit. Yes. Mm. How they're going to crowdfund. Uh, Mike, you saying consistently saying crowdfunding instead of Kickstarter reminded me that. Oh, wait a minute. It's not not. They're not all Kickstarters. I, I can't keep track anymore. Like there's yeah. so much on Game Found and like even things I cover. Like I'm like I'm a I'm recording for next week my top crowdfunded games of 2022. Like a top 20 list. And yeah, I'm just like, I have no idea what platform any of them are on anymore. It's <laughs> like, uh, this game's going to be on BackerKit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, BackerKit seemed to get a lot of the big publishers. Well, they've gotten them in like the post crowdfunding campaign kind of handling. I think, I don't know of any huge ones before Gloomhaven, like Frosthaven stuff. Well, no, so when they first announced, I forget who the companies were, but there was like a who's who of Kickstarter oh. people that like had basically said that they're going to do their next campaign with Backer Kit. So it was... Re Restoration uh, Games was the first to do a game on Backer Kit. Oh, did they do Dark They did Tower? the expansion for Dark Tower. Yeah, that's now, right. Frost that was Haven, a big one. Frosthaven was on Kickstarter. Well, yes. that was before Backer Kit. Like Frosthaven... That was before Backer Kit did the crowdfunding. Yeah, did. Correct. Right, 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 right. Before they did their own. But no, there yeah. was a lot of basically hoopla around who's going there. I mean, Kickstarter, I mean, this is a whole nother podcast, but Kickstarter will be interesting to see what percentage of the board games coming out, or at least big campaigns coming out, are through Kickstarter versus GameFound versus BackerKit. I mean, I'm looking on BackerKit right now. These are tiny campaigns and not very many at one time compared yeah. to anything. So I think Kickstarter is still the big one in the room. I think GameFound has definitely carved a sizable niche with some really successful campaigns. Backer Kit, I mean, I, I have no doubt that Gloomhaven is going to tear it up and that'll get more eyes on it. But it looks like they're definitely uh, the, the most behind so far and still, you know, building and developing. Well, yeah. they're also in the phase where Kickstarter brings people to it, but brings customers to it, whereas the games bring customers to Backer Kit and GameFound, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nobody just. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. I, I suspect fewer, many fewer people just browse backer kit, except Mike when he's in the middle of doing the podcast. 
I I tend to find myself. I mean, what, what's interesting is they have some big ones that are coming. It's like I'm just like kind of skimming through the coming thing. Leader Games, the next game is apparently going to be on Backer Kit. That's a pretty big publisher. So like you were saying, Peter, they've got the Gloomhaven one here with 20,000 plus people already following it. The next Whirla Gig game who made uh, Pax Pamir and John Company. So yeah, you, you're right, Peter. They do clearly like they aren't ready yet, <laughs> except for that that huge one we mentioned from uh, right. Restoration Games. But it looks like they will probably have a pretty big, I would guess, 2023. Yeah, when they made the announcement. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're fully like up and going at this point. When they made that announcement, though, it was pretty shocking. The names of the people that were like associated mm. with it. All right. So are we ready to talk about Dice Conquest, which was yeah. our yeah. Only, literally the only game I think we played together, all three of us, the entire convention. And not yeah, only then, we, then P- no. Jerry, Jerry and I played like a thousand games well, together after that. But I'm we just, we don't like Peter that much. Well, and Jerry and I played a game together that you weren't in. That's right. So like, I believe the only one we played together, and not only did we play it together once, we played it together twice. Just as a little spoiler alert. So obviously, game of the con right here, Dice Conquest. <laughs> <laughs> not going that far. <laughs> I did enjoy let's, it. Let's, yeah. Well, let's put it this way. I don't think any of us expected to enjoy it when we sat down to play it. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't have let them like give me a review copy if I thought it was going to be terrible. But yes, I did not expect to like it as much as I did. Well, no, no, no. We played it before we got we took the copy, right? Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, you're, yeah. Right. you're right. We played it and we're like, oh, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, this <laughs> like, was fun. Yeah. Yeah, because WizKids, I mean, it's being run by Zev now. And, and Zev, obviously, previously of Z-Man. You know, he's they're known for putting out lots of games and some of them are great and some of them are games. So <laughs> like, I, I wasn't sure what to think of this one. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. So somebody want to take over and talk about, you know, gameplay? Sure. So the concept is it gives you a, a set of role playing game dice, uh, specifically a Dungeons and Dragons dice. So you have your D12 and your D20 and everything. And then each person who's playing takes a character and that character is represented, you know, it's a class like you're the cleric or the wizard or the fighter. And then you go through a deck of creatures that attack you. So you flip over, what is it? Number of players or is it three? I can't remember. I think it's always, I think it was, I think it was always maybe three. All right. So you flip over three cards and then each monster might have a special ability where, you know, you have to attack that one first or when that card is, when, that monster is revealed. You have to reveal a, another one along with it. Uh, they all have individual unique things and a number of hit points. And then you have to use the dice that at, you roll collectively and you have to use the dice to do damage to the monsters in the line and, and get rid of them all before they damage you. So you go through an entire deck of monsters and at the very end of the deck, the last monster is always the, the dragon that you have to fight and defeat and to win without anybody dying. So uh, that that's the quick synopsis. Did I miss anything? No. Uh, what, what I'll say is kind of funny for anybody who's played Setawatch that we were just talking about. I found this to be very much almost like Setawatch light. Because one of the key mechanics in Setawatch is you roll your personal dice pool and then you're placing dice on cards. And that's like how much damage they it's done. And then when the dice value, the sum of the dice value overcomes the monster's health, then they die. And very similar thing here. What's interesting, though, is that it's a shared dice pool, like uh, Jerry was saying. So you each take turns taking dice out, but some dice might work better for some characters. Like you have this crit value that you can fire off. And then... um, And if you're on the the YouTube streaming channel, I'm showing right now the characters. Yeah. So like the thief, the warrior, the wizard. The thief, for example, has a crit value of two. So any dice that has a value two, 
you trigger their special ability on the bottom. Warriors of five, wizards of ten. So that number on the bottom. So if you take a dice of that number, it will trigger that crit. So go ahead. Yeah, so, so there's like very light tactics here. I, I wouldn't say anything is too challenging or intense. No. But like sometimes you want to save a die for another player or wait to use a die because then like it you'll get a re-roll of it or something. And when you take a die from the pool, you can choose to re-roll it or leave it on one it what's what it's on. So it's like a fun, like kind of like little push your lucky kind of randomness choice there. So yeah, it, it does really make me think of like if you want to play set a watch, but you know, maybe like half the cost. At half the gets, time or a quarter of the time. Yeah, half well, the time yeah. or a quarter of the time, but also <laughs> like way less variety <laughs> and like not as tactical. But it, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm going to try to play it with my kids uh, here pretty soon, I think. Yeah, what is it? You think 15, 20 minutes to play? I mean, a bit longer than that because you do have to go through the whole deck. I'd say probably more like 25 to 30. Oh, it felt more like 15 to 20 to me. What, okay. Never mind. I mean, the first game took a little bit longer. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so never mind. Let's, let's say 15 to 20 once you've played it once and you get what's going on. Yep. All right. And what, $20, I think? Yeah, I think, uh, I, think I saw it 18 MSRP, so you might eventually be able to find it for like 14 or 15 I would guess. Yeah. And the hope it's is... like a reasonable price. The hope is that they come up with more sets, right? So... Yeah. Right now, there's only one set of monsters, and you fight through all of them. There's only one set of... Or one enemy. It's always going to be the dragon at the end. Um, yeah. Now, we didn't play with these trap cards, but there are also trap cards you can add in, so I have no idea how they work. But bottom line, I mean, is, we barely beat the dragon in yeah, our one full game. So, like, I don't know if I'm ready for trap cards. Well, right, but but and, I, and we had like the busted character. What was I like a rogue or something? A rogue, just, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit overpowered. Uh, definitely some. I wouldn't even say balance issues. It's the kind of thing where like I would give my son that character and he'd feel great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. No, I think the the nice part though is in the future if this takes off, I think there is possibility for them to easily just put out more monsters, more bosses, and, and make it even more entertaining. You know, more ways to play, uh, more variety. And if you're starting up a new D and D group, you know, then uh, you just gotta wait until they have like five sets, and then you can each buy a different That's set. Right. You're good to nice. go. You're set. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So, uh, did we is Rove the next one? Yep, Rove was the next one I had. Unless Jerry's... No, Jerry, Jerry you were with us at this point, so yeah, we all just walked together. Um, so this is not Rove, the amazing uh, button-shy game. It's one of my top games of the year. This is... Uh, Rove that Campaign, has... Dungeon Crawl, Fantasy, Boss Battler Rove. There it is. I, I guess I lied. I guess there is at least one more. That has shampoo and conditioner at their booth. <laughs> it, they did. I, and, and you know, it's funny. I didn't take it. And I regretted it greatly later when I was like, I think uh, one of you brought head and shoulders, I guess. And I was like, I yep. yep. And, and it was way, it was too, you ever, you ever squeeze out a little bit of that brand of shampoo you're not familiar with and you get way more foam than you thought you would. That was, that was Mike Friday night, y'all. So you, you got to watch out. Well, so I'm That's sh- how they get you. I literally, I'm on Board Game Geek showing the second picture, and literally it shows the shampoo bottles. Um, now, now, <laughs> I gotta go look at this. Now, maybe, now, it's a, maybe it's a game component. We just missed it. Right. Now, now they did upgrade to be like dual pack shampoo and conditioner. This one was just shampoo. They, they definitely upgraded. They're like, what? No conditioner? So, so this, this must be a different convention that they also it is. brought. That's great. Oh, yeah. It says Gen Con. <laughs> That's great. So no, Gen Con, they it. just had shampoo. So you should have waited for packs to get the conditioner along with your shampoo. Um, ah, there's exclusives. There's I think they've just adopted uh, Mike's method of using anything to represent characters and monsters. 
So they just had some <laughs> extra <laughs> travel standees. They were like, this is the dragon. <laughs> it's shampoo. <laughs> nice. So I don't remember much about this game except for I was like, wow, there's a lot going on. It feels and like. I think Jerry probably got the best description. Jerry, you want to talk through it a little bit? Yeah, it's it's from the the people who designed the uh, Crimson it was like Crimson Sands. Is that what it was called? Something like that. Crimson something or other. Uh, it was basically a, a very nicely produced fan expansion to Gloomhaven. It comes in a huge box that you order it for basically their cost. I think it's like a hundred and Crimson Scales. Um, Crimson Crimson Scales. So they did that, and it's really my understanding is it's really well done. Mm. Uh, it's just a straight expansion to Gloomhaven, and this one is built off of the work they did in Crimson Scales. So it's their own game. It has uh, some similarities to Gloomhaven, but it also changes up the mechanics uh, a bit. So there aren't the cards that you play in Gloomhaven that have a top and a bottom Mm. with the initiative. You have a hand of cards, and as you take an action that's on one of the cards, instead of like losing it forever like you do in Gloomhaven or putting in the discard and having to wait to take a rest, you flip the card over. And then another action is on the back. That's right. It's a different action. A different action is on the back, correct? Yeah. And then you, as you go through the the scenario, you're manipulating this hand of cards by flipping cards back and forth based on uh, what you need to do. So uh, it had some interesting things. When I looked at the scenario book, I think they must have used the same templates that they had made for Crimson Scales that look basically exactly like Gloomhaven, like down to the fonts. And everything, uh, except this map is squares, not hexes. So big change there. Huge it's, difference. <laughs> yes, it's thirty-three percent less sides. This game yeah. sounds square <laughs> to me. <laughs> so uh, they only had a very small preview uh, version there at PAX, but already but, it was better than these pictures I'm looking at from Gen Con because they had like a map book, if I remember correctly, and here they clearly they just had printed pieces of paper. Let me look back through my pictures. Yeah, they had a they had a map book and a scenario yep. book. Yeah, that had a few scenarios in it, and they had uh, printed miniatures at the thing. Three D printed. Three yeah. D printed. I should up upload my pictures because first of all, I have both the shampoo and conditioner two pack in my pictures, as well as the three D printed miniatures. So maybe I upload that to uh, BGG because they're clearly missing. You know, <laughs> conditioner. Conditioner. Conditioner <laughs> is better. I believe the hair silky and smooth. Adam Sandler, Mike. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Uh, we didn't get to play a demo. We just got a, basically a description of what's going on, and they showed us some of the components and the cards. But I'll be interested to see what the, the final version is and how it differs from Gloomhaven and whether that is interesting to me or not. Yeah, I mean, I I was not super interested on my first viewing, mainly because yes. I looked at the scenario book and it was like, move and fight monsters. Move and fight monsters again, but maybe pick up this thing. And move and fight monsters again, the but they're kind of moving towards you know civilians. And so it's it's a, it's going to come down for me, I think, to maybe how diverse the character classes are, and then how different the enemy AI is. And honestly, the iconography was a bit intimidating to me, especially for the enemies. I was like, there's a lot of stuff going on, so I couldn't really tell if the enemies were diverse or not. But if they are, then the idea that you're playing just like kind of basic combat scenarios could still be pretty exciting. Well, I'll, I'll just have to see as more comes well, out about it. I'll say for yeah, me, there was an awful lot of stuff with those enemies. Yeah. And I'll say for me, yeah. the board wasn't that exciting either. Like it was just literally looked like a bunch of squares and some of them were colored and not. There was definitely artwork behind it. 
And I know this mm. was prototypes, though. It wasn't final. But it just, it was a big turnoff looking at that map. Like, it was just, eh. Yeah, that, that, that's, that was, that, and like you said, a lot of text on all the cards. And not only that, but, like, there's two sides of the cards. So, like, you're flipping it over, and now you have a whole new ability on that card on the other side. And so when you're making the choices, it seems like you got to make a choice based on what skill is best for you now and maybe mm-hmm. what you want to unlock and flip over to as well. So there's that. Yeah, I think the map book was uh, was certainly pretty generic looking, but I think the point they were trying to get across was that it is a map book like Jaws of the Lion and not tiles like Gloomhaven. Sure. Right. I think that's what they were trying to... And to again, show with that map book, but all, the, you're right. Prototype. The map book was pretty, pretty plain. Yeah. And all prototypes. So, I mean, who knows? It could be beautiful and wonderful at the end. And, and my opinion on that could change. I mean, it was very clear what, what the boxes were and like, <laughs> like there were some blue ones. So I assume those had water in them. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was like super clear, but, uh, you know, it was probably early graphic design. So mm-hmm. I don't want to give beat them up too much over that. All right. Did we all go to the same place next? Wise Wizards? Yep, that's what I had. I I have a quick check-in before that uh, from Plaid Hat. Okay. Yeah, the first game, if you want to pull it up, Peter, is Hickory Dickory. Uh, No doc, just uh, Hickory Dickory 2023. So I didn't get to play this one. doc game from 1981. Yes, that's not it. That's why I said no doc. (laughs) I'm well aware. I'm just saying... So this is an upcoming one from Plaid Hat Games. I, I got a nice, like, kind of talk through of all the mechanics. Like, I could almost teach the game at this point, but I didn't actually get to play it. Uh, but kind of the key thing, it reminded me a bit going way back, uh, well, not way back, <laughs> of uh, Sulkin or Tsulkin from uh, Check Game Edition. Because you, uh, I don't know if Peter's pulled it up yet, but you've got uh, these the clock. clock hands. Yep. Yeah, and, and your worker meeples actually, like, jump on and off the clocks. You jump uh, onto, like, the, the time, like, spaces and different actions are activated, but you're also grabbing these different resources. And then you jump back onto the clock hand and just kind of, like, trying to, like, you know, arrange all of that. And then also, like, uh, if you see underneath the clock hand, there's, uh, like, the little, like, chimes or danglies yeah <laughs> like those pull up and down and like you're trying to climb them and the earlier you climb them the more victory points you get and then like the victory point reward and uh, the see, like, little, i guess that's what they're called um and then <laughs> the danglies uh, the dangly bits um uh, and then uh the danglies under and then you've hickory got, dickory each, each player's got four different types of mice, but they move differently and they've got different resource capacity. But if they like get together, then they can trade stuff. And you're like putting tiles on this little four by four grid to get end game victory points. But you're also making like kind of uh, pick up and deliver style with the mice to get more victory points and completing little objectives. So it all looks pretty cute and cool, like the the core mechanic. And there's like this cat that will like put his paws down on different parts of the clock and kind of lock out actions. And there's a solo <laughs> mode. So that, that, that's what I know. But it seemed, you know, pretty, <laughs> pretty neat uh, at, at a first like little pass. And the other one I talked to them about, I don't know if it's on BGG yet, Peter, but it's called Red Rains, the Corpse of Viros or Viros. This is, this was recently announced. They didn't actually have anything to say, but they just confirmed, yes, this exists. Um, so Red Rains is the upcoming solo co-op uh, campaign for Ashes Reborn, Rise of the Phoenix yes, Born, which is it. like their, yeah. So their rains, their, like raining, not rains yes. like a horse reigns 
Yes, sorry, I should have clarified. But yeah, so again, there's not really much to know, but it's going to be a solo co-op way to play um, Ashes Reborn, which is a 1v1 like deck construction uh, sort of tactical card-based combat game. So that, 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 that's it. I just wanted to mention it. We can go on to Wise Wizards because I don't really know much to say about it yet. And I am pretty excited about this one, actually, because yeah. I was happy that Keyforge did it. You know, it, it's funny, our solo co-op universe they're like making a lot more solo co-op stuff for these games that were like competitive. And I know some of your favorite games are head to head battler games as well. Yeah. Um, and, and usually I make solo or co-op for them if they don't have it already. <laughs> but yeah, same thing. Like it was very late in the life cycle, but fantasy flight did something like that for uh, the legends of the five ring, their version of legends of the five ring card game. So the, the idea, like, this one sounds more like if it goes well, they're going to support it for a while, and it's going to become, like, a core mode with extra expansions of the game. So easier time playing these competitive games that are often very intimidating to teach a new player to and to get them into. I'm all for it. And it sounds like, from what I've heard also, that they're planning on making this part of every future expansion. So it's not, like, so. a one-off thing. Like, when you buy the expansion, they're going to have a solo mission at least in each of these um at least uh, that's their intent as of now from what i from what i've uh, from what i understand but we got pencil poly who says the danglies are called pendulums at least when they're on clocks and then he laughed or she laughed thanks uh, <laughs> I, I know i know a lot about clocks clearly the the danglies are actually different from the pendulum the pendulum's the thing that moves the gears the, Swing, and it's the danglies and are the are the counterweights now they go so up and the, down Yes, they go up and down. It's the that's how you wind like a grandfather clock. You have hey to. Hey guys, I have a hand. What? Look at this. It can what? do stuff. What are you saying? What? I, I'm, I'm emphasizing my own ignorance with life in general. Oh, okay. That was the joke. They, the intended no. joke. Explain no. it some more. It'll get funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is how humor works. <laughs> that's how cute, uh, humor it works. All right. So the next game we went to. So should I look at volume one, volume two, or just? I, they're, they're, I they're, think either one stands on its own. Yeah, what difference so it doesn't matter? <laughs> yeah. So this game, oh, we did play this together. The second, no, do we have play it? We have no, never we, played. We got this. a demo I, of it. I have still not played. He it. explained it to to us, but we didn't That's right. play it. It was a pretty in depth demo, though. So yes, I felt yes. like we played it, but yes. we totally did not. You're right. Um, and by the way, make sure you're on Kapow Volume 1 or Volume 2, because there was an earlier like edition of this game that did not have any solo co-op in it. Yes. So, Kapow, I'm on Volume 1 right now. There's two whole pictures of it. So, it's a superhero versus supervillain battling game, head-to-head battling game. But again, they're having a full-on co-op slash solo mode where you can fight against one. Or if you own both Volume 1 and Volume 2, I think you have to have to play yes, co-op. And you do can do a 2v2 versus the enemies. And similar to Bullet, which I know we'll talk about later, you basically flip over the hero or villain card, and on the other side is their, like, solo enemy card, right? So there's, like, six, yeah. three heroes, three villains in each of these packs. And then, so that means there's six potential villains to fight against. Or, not villains, but yeah, AI. Six, six like, solo AI bosses to fight against in each set. Yeah. No, I'm pretty excited to try this one. I, I still I, I have a review copy. I have not gotten it to the table yet. I've been distracted by a different game I'll talk about later. Both review um, copies. <laughs> you got volume one and volume two. I, I did copy. give up. Well, I wanted to try out the co-op, so yes. But I'm excited about this one because um, 
there's a lot of growth turn to turn. Like you're actually adding dice to your pool permanently. And then you're also building these action dice, like putting faces on them. Yes. So you can really like, and, and it is, you know, this, this is probably going to be a, a pro or con depending on your taste, but there is a hidden element to it in that you are rolling your dice and assigning them. So I might do a huge attack this turn. And if you guess that you might do a huge defense kind of negate it all. Or you might make the entirely wrong call and just get your face punched in. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure yet how I'm going to feel about that for, for competitive, but I'm definitely excited to try out the solo co-op and see how that is. Yeah, so it tells you, like, at the bottom, it tells you not only your health, but what dice you roll. And there are different colored dice. It looks like there's blue, purple, green, yellow, and red um, dice, as well as one die that you get to customize uh, when you play. Well, but you can add more. Oh, you, you can add more can, than that. No, yeah, but that's like how one you of the start. Actions. That's how you start. Well, yes, correct. Well, and correct. then as you roll dice, like the right column is called the power-up. So there's an attack column, a defense column, and a power-up column. And if you're, you're, you're basically matching symbols to – and if you're looking on the stream right now, you're going to get a way better feel for what this looks like. So I'll, I'll go through an example of this one. It says, Biff, use any die to do one base attack. Zap is use a fist and any die to do a three base attack and so on. And then they have wallop, which is an attack kicker, which is plus two to your attack if you use a fist. So you're going to basically be placing dice on these symbols to activate the attack and the kickers and things like that. But there's a right column, which is um, your power ups, which will let you add die faces to your like you have one basically blank d6 that you get it that you can easily and and it's very cool like any, I, I haven't played too many of these dice building games where you're actually clicking faces on and then you can like pull them off but it, it was neat and it seemed to work i don't think it's going to make that much difference as far as the weight goes because the faces themselves seem pretty light um so i don't think the dice i mean i'm sure there's some you know random not randomness to the rolling because of these but at the same time you know it was pretty neat how you could add different faces so if you wanted to do a lot of fist stuff you just add more fist faces to those dice or whatever else yeah no i am very interested in this one as well um it seems like it'll be a competitor or something like dice throne yeah yeah actually i think that 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 is a really good comp because in a lot of like the games that i play like the 1v1 games like you know exceed and battlecon and soccer arms Usually there's not much buildup of the characters. It's more like, you know, it's trying to model something like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat where you're just, you have your unique character and you're blasting each other. But Dice Throne with the leveling up of your abilities and like the gaining of tokens and stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's much, yeah, you're right. Those are closer to each other. And that's Except you don't have a hand of cards. I mean, there are definitely differences and it's not Yahtzee style where you're rolling three times or whatever. But no, there there was definitely some cool stuff. And we got Brant Sanderson from the Portal Gaming Podcast, as well as the uh, Step Into the Portal on on YouTube as well. He says that uh, his friend designed this game. So it's very cool. Oh. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're excited to play it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Brant is a good friend of the channel. So that's why I shouted him out specifically here. So that is Kapow. Anything, uh, Jerry, anything to add? Or No, I think you covered it. I, I thought it was interesting looking. And you're not typically a huge fan of these head-to-head battlers, right? Not typically. This one had some interesting wrinkles uh, as far as whether you spend your dice on you know, attack or do you spend more time building up. Uh, I'm a little curious as to whether defense column is going to be worth it. Like, mm. Mike, for your example, if you're doing a big attack and I do 
I just put all my stuff in defense that didn't move the ball any further along. Right. Either way. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I but feel I didn't like they said the defense the column gave you something for the next turn. Am I wrong about that, Mike? Or am I missing? Some of them did. And they're all uh, like many of the characters also have defensive powers that are also like offensive and, you know, repost kind of like hit him back kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, n- not yeah, much of you speculating. Play I'll, I'll play it more, this right. week probably. And then I'll be able to say more soon. <laughs> so I'm curious what they do with that. But yeah. And I'm sure something like Dice Throne, where some characters are probably more defensive. And so yeah. when you do defense, maybe they always take a point of retaliation or whatever else. And well, some- then that's going to play to the whole like second guessing. Like if I know you're the more defensive character and I assume you're going to defend, does that mean that I don't attack you? And then you just smash me because I didn't think it was coming. I don't know. There, there could be some like fun kind of like second guessing sort of stuff or it'll be terrible. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> nice. The full range of possibilities exist at this moment. It's a Schrodinger's cat game, you know? There you go. Okay, we did not play Black Cat, by the way, or Cat in a Box or whatever it's called, uh, although I do want to try that because we do like, uh, well, that's been a hot one both at Gen Con and here and something we haven't talked about. Um, but uh, of all the games that I missed at both conventions, that uh, that is the one I'm most interested in playing because I love trick-taking games. So, um, And that one's supposed to be pretty good. So there you go. There's a game we didn't play at all, didn't see at all, and uh, yet I still talked about it. Cause that's the quality coverage you get here at <laughs> one stop coffee. I mean, yep, it's your one it. stop for speculation <laughs> news and reviews. So, but I mean, I think that's probably one of the games of the con at both cons. Like, I mean, I keep hearing about that game. So, um, yeah, I do want to try that one at some point, but let's keep going. Uh, so that was it for me for the vendor hall that day. Did you guys see anything else at the vendor hall or? We split up. At yeah, the point. only other one, if you want to pull it up, uh, that I'll mention is the light in the mist. Light in the mist, Peter. <laughs> I'm working on it. Don't, don't, this don't is watch, uh, a company don't. that I've never talked to before, but I've seen some of their stuff and been curious. They're, oh, they're called Post Curious. That was not on purpose, by the way, <laughs> the company. So the light in the mist uh, came out this year, I believe. They also had, I think it's called like the Emerald Flame. But this is the one I got a review copy of. It's like tarot but cards. From, yeah, so this one is like tarot-based. Emerald Flame was like different art pieces. But basically the general sense I get about their games, I have not tried any of them yet, is that it's sort of like an escape room, mystery-ish, like solving puzzles game or set the, all the games they do. But it's also tied with like really unique and nicely done art. And there's also like a narrative aspect. Like I did open this one and there's like a little like kind of narrative book that sort of goes with the puzzle. So I think you're kind of working through a story at the same time. Um, I got, I asked for this one specifically because my wife loves tarot cards and, uh, you know, just from the beautiful art, from the good reviews I've seen online and from, uh, just the good, like kind of press I've heard about this company in general, I'm excited to play it, but that's all I have to say. I have not read any rules. They didn't, I I, like, basically (laughs) I was like, hello, can I try your game? Like as I was running to our wise wizards appointment. So I didn't even like get to hear about how it works so yeah i'm excited to try it but no idea what it is yet really <laughs> it says a tarot puzzle tale yep that, that, that those three words that are <laughs> smashed together do discard all the things i know about the game <laughs> yes uh so i will say that we're over an hour in we're and and we're only through day one trust me we did nothing day three which was sunday and uh does help. day two will be much quicker at least on my end i got Literally nothing to well, talk about. Do we want to talk about what we played Friday night? Like yep. briefly, even just like listen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Jerry and I, and who we play with, uh, Liz was there, right? 
Super Friday Show? Night with Bullet and Pinball? It was, yeah, it was with... Uh, well, Bullet was with Liz. And then yes. Super Skill Pinball was with Liz and Alyssa from, from Heavy, Heavy Cardboard. Cardboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Liz yeah. Davidson from... Sorry, I should be clear. Liz oh, Davidson sorry. from Beyond Solitaire. So yeah, we played Bullet. Um, that remains... Each time I play it, I'm reminded that this is one of my like top 10 games. Did you play um, co-op or did you play it competitive we yeah, did play co-op. co-op yeah liz had never played it before and she wanted to try it and she really enjoyed it um she she says she's gonna go buy it once she gets home it, it is still a game yeah J- jerry doesn't like it as much as me but for me well, and it, apparently it, for, i really like it jerry hates anime is what it boils down to. i i but do yes, i do hate like it. like it, i think i think if it had a totally new art style it would go up yeah. several notches in jerry's estimation that that is highly likely yes and then um, WizKids gave us a review copy of Super Skill Pinball Ramp Up, which is not the most recent set of Super Skill Pinball, which is a roll and write that I've covered before, but it is uh, one of the newer sets than the first one. The newest one uh, is I, a holiday-themed one, and there is a Star yes, Trek-themed one. A Star they, Trek one, exactly. They talked to us about that as well. Um, I continue to think it's great, and I continue to think it's better for Solo. That's about all I have to say. What about you, Jerry? If I like Solo games, I'd like it much, much more Solo. Uh, it has a definite downtime problem when you're playing it multiplayer. I, I didn't have any downtime. I was yeah, well, I, I, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So all three rounds, I was the last one to finish. So like Liz and Alyssa and Jerry were just staring at me. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Roland does. Come you might on, be able to get away with it as a two player game. Uh, as a four player game, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Jerry's just like, yeah, not at all. I mean, it, it, and it's not to say the mechanics of the game are poor or that it's not fun. It is fun, but there's a point where you know your ball is done and you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting and there's literally nothing you can do at yes. that point except scream at the other players i mean is it like uh, i mean unless you, you just, just like start, start, start round two rah 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 i guess i could have beat the table and yelled rah 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 but then they would have kicked me out <laughs> and peter you didn't play anything friday night right you were just hanging out with people? i did not so the friday night was the whiskey night i literally just hung out uh, i'll name drop a little i mean the m- people i talked to the most were bonacore Stephen Bonacore and uh, Henry Audubon and oh, the Secret yeah. Cabal guys were there. And then I talked to somebody from, I have his business card, I can't remember, but one of the uh, producers, like like Panda, like, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm shilling for his competitor. Um, but I spent a lot of time <laughs> talking to him about game production <laughs> bits and stuff as well. So uh, the, the whole point of this is, if you are looking to as a designer, because I know that's a, a good portion of our audience, if you're or you know, as somebody who's just interested in hearing or learning about the insides of the industry, going to events like PAX are a great opportunity to mix and mingle with people in the industry and really get to know them on a personal level. But that was about it. And that is going to be it for this week, but come back next week when we talk about Saturday and Sunday, including my Game of Gaia project with Isaac Childress, and we wrap up our con and give our final thoughts. So we'll see you then. Bye! Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.